read Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 through 12. And uh, you don't have to stand. You can stay seated if you want. If you want to stand, you can. It's up to you. But Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 through 12. And if you will look on the LED screen behind me, I would like for you to follow along. Is not this the fast which I choose? This is God speaking. To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Everybody say, break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into, your, into the house? When you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth. And your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here am I. Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. Someone say amen. And the Lord will continually guide you. Somebody say a bigger amen. And satisfy your desire in scorched places. Man, this is getting gooder and gooder. That's a good old-fashioned Georgian English right there. And give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. What incredible promises from fasting, and I want to talk about that here in just a few moments. But would you hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have, and uh, let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word. And not here only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name we pray. And Lord God, anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. And let this a seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. Let us not just hear it, but do it and apply it in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. 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 I started full-time ministry in 1997, and I, that is when I learned I'd never heard a pastor lead me in fasting. I had never been in a church that they actually did some kind of corporate fast. I never even really knew it was something for today and day's age. And so when I got in the ministry, Holly and I, right after college, uh, we went into ministry. And as we set out, the Lord began to deal with me uh, to fast and pray. It was a brand new concept. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll start by fasting breakfast. You know, and I mean, I can do without breakfast and then I'll eat lunch. And I'm telling you, when I first started fasting breakfast, I thought I was going to die. I thought, this is the hardest thing in the world. This is, there's no way I could make it in one day. I could never do this. I mean, I was ready to eat my fingers off by lunchtime. I had never gone without a meal on purpose and thought anybody that did was ludicrous and lost their minds. 
And some of you in here under the sound of my voice, you may be thinking that very thing. When pastor says, hey, let's fast January 8th through the 28th. Fast forward that 25 years, and I've done two entire 21-day fasts without eating at all. I've done a 10-day fast without eating at all. I can't even count the amount of three-day fast I've done. And God has taken me to levels and places I've never thought I'd ever dream or go or do or accomplish in my life. He has done amazing things. And yes, I will do the 21-day fast. I don't know if I'll do total food or if I'll slide into Daniel fasting. You can fast different ways. You can do a total fast. You can fast total and do some Daniel fasting. That's just fruits and vegetables. You can fast all day and just eat at night. There's There's a gamut of different things you can do, and we'll let the Lord deal with you on that. But I want to tell you, fasting is not done to show God our devotion or our religious allegiance, or to look good. We don't fast to show the world how holy we are. We don't fast to try to get something from God. According to Isaiah 58 here, our heart has to be in it. And if our heart and focus is not on God and how God wants us to fast, then we're really not accomplishing anything. We've got to fast the right way. We fast because we desire the presence of God in our lives more than we do eating. Now, it's easy on the first day because you're really not that hungry yet. Somebody may be ready to eat that big old steak. I know, yes, I'm going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) But along about a week from now, two weeks from now, you're going to be wondering, is this fast really worth it? Are you more hungry for God and his presence than you are to eat or to eat the kind of food you want? We fast because we're hungry to hear the voice of God. We fast because we're tired of picking up our Bibles and reading black and white on a page and we want God to speak into our hearts. We fast and pray because we are desperate for the presence of God. We fast and pray because we need answers and God, we've got to hear from you. Is there anybody desperate in the house? That's why I fast and pray. I fast and pray because I'm desperate and I need answers. We don't fast in order to get something from God. We fast in order to align our hearts with God's heart. Someone shout amen. Amen. Did you know that fasting is mentioned one time for every three times the word prayer is mentioned in the Bible? That's amazing to me. One third of how many times prayer is talked about in the Bible, fasting is talked about. Why is it such a lost art? Why is it we don't hear preaching on it? Why are we not challenged by it like we used to? And I think it's because it deals with our flesh. We don't mind with dealing with other things, but man, don't mess with King Belly because King Belly don't like that. (laughs) Fasting is our way back to God. Man, hear my heart with this. No matter what the enemy has done to you, No matter what your past has been like, no matter what the pain is you've dealt with, no matter what cards you've ever been dealt and how hard you've been hurt, I want to tell you something that God will heal you from that. Somebody say amen. God can move you out of your yesterday and move you into your future. You're not not bound by your past. You're not defined by your past. You don't have to live in that pain anymore. You can be delivered and set free. Glory to God. There's a bright new future when you fast and pray. No matter what he's done, you don't have to be defeated by the past anymore. Somebody say amen to that. Fasting lays a spiritual foundation that not only affects you, but it affects your family for generations. 
How many times do you read in the Bible where somebody fasted and it affected an entire nation? See, you're not just fasting for yourself. When you're fasting and praying, you're fasting and praying for your children, for your grandchildren, for your families, your distant relatives, your co-workers, your neighbors, everybody you know, our church, our community. We are fasting collectively because we want God to break the bondages and break sin off people and just touch our lives and bring miracles and healings and do the things that he said he would do. Generational curses can be broken with fasting. I know there were fat, there were iniquities and all kinds of stuff passed down to me, but it was broken through the blood of Jesus and it's been broken through fasting and prayer. Fasting lays a new foundation of blessing that will be transferred to your children and grandchildren. How many would like that? There, fasting brings all kinds of great things, but I want to point out three today. So point number one is this. Fasting brings freedom. Everybody say that with me. Say, fasting brings freedom. That's what the discipleship, disciples fast is. It's an overcoming fast. It's a fast that acknowledges that I am insufficient without God. It is a fast that says, God, I'm desperate for you. I've tried it my way and it doesn't work. I can't humanly make this thing happen. I can't make things work on my own. I desperately need you to move in my life, God. So as you're contemplating, why are we fasting another January? Why are we doing this, Pastor? I don't want to do this. I'll tell you what, I'll fast. I'll fast bubblegum for the next three weeks. You fast because you've got some desperate situations in your life and you need breakthrough. How many of you have got a loved one you'd love to see get saved this year? Raise your hand up. How many are praying like the Dickens for it? Well, man, it may be time to fast and pray about that. Or maybe your marriage is in trouble. Or maybe you've got a bad doctor's diagnosis. Whatever it is, we need to fast and pray. Look what Isaiah 58 and 6 says. Is not this the fast which I choose, God chose, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and let the oppressed go free, and break every yoke. I want you to say it with me. And break every yoke and break every yoke and break every yoke glory to god i could just say it again and break every yoke it is a fast that will break addiction to sin matthew 17 21 here's what jesus said the disciples fast however this kind does not does not go out except by prayer and what it doesn't go out, but by what? Prayer fasting. Perhaps there are some things in your life that have not been broken and you've not been freed from because you've not been fasting. If you'll fast and pray, God says he'll break every yoke. Everybody say the word every. That means everything in your life that would hinder you, hold you back, oppress you, can be and will be broken and destroyed during this fast. Woo! The disciples couldn't cast out the evil spirit. It wasn't that they couldn't obtain the power. It's that they didn't take the severity of the situation of this demon possessing this little boy serious enough. They weren't understanding how important fasting and praying was to get God in the equation. 
He can only be delivered through prayer and fasting. And there are some things that you and I will only be delivered from through prayer and fasting. There are sinful behaviors that enslave people. I really believe that many people that sit, especially in church, are good people. They want to do right. They know things they're doing are wrong, but they just simply can't avoid it. They simply go back to it again and again and again. And I talk to people, even within my family, that'll say, I don't want to do it. I know I shouldn't do it, but I just can't break the habit. I just can't seem to get freedom in this area of my life. I just can't seem to get over the hump. I want to tell you something. If you'll fast and pray, God will deliver you. Satan's lies will tell you that you have tried before and failed, and you just might as well not even give it a shot. Satan will tell you that you are in bondage, and there is no getting out. But the truth of the word says in John 8, 36, so if the Son makes you free, you will be what? Now, are we going to believe the devil, or are we going to believe Jesus? 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Are we going to believe what the Word says? John 8.32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Pastor, why you always got to preach on fasting anyways? I mean, we know we got to do it. Do you really have to burn a Sunday? Listen, there are people that don't understand fasting and praying, and they don't know. And listen, you cannot be set free from what you don't know. The Bible says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But what about the truth we don't know? President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on September 22, 1862. It went into effect January 1, 1863. And the moment it went into effect, of January 1, 1863, listen, every slave living in the Confederacy was legally free. But until they knew of this freedom, until they knew of the Emancipation Proclamation, until they knew they were legally free, the legal fact had no impact on their lives. You see, there are freedom in the pages of the Bible, but we don't go to the pages of the Bible and read it every day to learn what God says we can be free from. There is freedom from things, bondages, and all kinds of addictions that we can be free from, but we don't go in the Bible and declare, wait a minute, the Bible says I am free. The Bible is a book of emancipation proclamations that says you can be free from addiction. You can be free from lust. You can be free from drugs. You can be free from alcohol. You can be free from uh, pornography. You can be free from unforgiveness. You can be free from gossip. You can be free from a hot temper. You can be free from hatred and bitterness and gossip and slander. What I'm trying to say is if you'll fast and pray, God can set you free from this stuff. Amen. God did me in so many areas. Am I perfect? No. You can just ask Holly. Don't do it. (laughs) But my point is, is that you can be free. I can be free. The question is, are you tired enough of being in the bondage to whatever that you're willing to say, I'll fast and pray because I'm done with this. 
The disciples' fast will set you free. It'll bring deliverance to the addiction of sin. Fasting will break negative emotions and feelings and mental habits off you. Let me talk to those of you with emotional and mental issues. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah, man, he's on the mountain. He is calling down fire. He is destroying the prophets of Baal. He's just, man, he is the mad daddy. He's got it all together. Queen Jezebel don't like it very much. And she says, by this time tomorrow, God help me if I, you ain't dead. Well, he's emotionally spent. He runs for his life, finds himself under a tree and says, it's better for me to die. The angel of the Lord comes by, gives him something to eat. He takes a nap. He wakes him up again, gives him cake, takes a nap. That's the answer for depression. Eat cake, take a nap. It's right there in the Bible. (laughs) Chocolate cake, that's right. Well, then Elijah goes on a run for his life. 40 days, he starts out on a fast. He doesn't eat 40 days, 40 nights. He essentially goes on a long fast. He was a wreck emotionally. Look, when you call down fire from heaven, I mean, how many's done that? And destroyed 850 prophets of Baal, and I mean, just brought the nation back to God. And and a day later, he's sitting under a tree saying, just kill me. I mean, he is all over the map emotionally. He is an emotional wreck. And perhaps you're here today and you're a wreck emotionally. Maybe over the death of a loved one and you don't know how to get past it. Maybe a breakup of a relationship that you hold near and dear to your heart. I know someone that's experienced two deaths to people they love and they they had a relationship. They thought they were going to get married. They broke up and they just went off the deep end. They couldn't handle it emotionally. It was too much, too fast, too soon and they didn't put it in the hands of God and and it's got them right now. Maybe it's a giant financial issue. Maybe a devastating disappointment has hit you. Maybe you're faced with a situation that to you seems absolutely hopeless. Elijah went on a 40-day fast, and during the fast, listen, during the fast, day by day, he got better until the end of it, he was delivered from depression. He was delivered from suicidal thoughts. You'd never hear him say again he wants to die. And, you, and he's delivered from the spirit of fear. He obeys God. He goes out and does what he says. And listen, he gets to the point where by First King or Second Kings chapter 2, God comes with a chariot of fire and a whirlwind and takes him to heaven. That's like the deal right there. I mean, outside of the rapture, how would you, you don't even die. You're just walking and all of a sudden here come a chariot of fire and horses and a whirlwind. And, you know, see y'all later. I'm going to glory. This is the same guy that earlier wanted to die under a tree. In 40-day fast, God healed him of his emotions and got him back on target. And from that moment on, he never had another emotional wreck like that. Fasting will break the negative emotions off our lives. It'll break off depression. It'll break off despondency, suicidal thoughts emotionally bad habits. Listen, there are things, habits we pick up all year long. They need to be broken and destroyed. There's some mental things. Instead of always looking at the glass half empty, we need to let God help us look at the glass half full. We need to be grateful instead of complaining. Fasting overtakes whatever is causing a negative self-image or low self-esteem. 
God will fix a negative self-esteem in your life. If you fast and pray, you'll begin to understand who you are in the sight of God. You'll be understanding whose you are and who you are. And you're a child of God. You're created in the image of God. Man, you'll look in the mirror and say, you're a good-looking dude right there now. You will get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, boy, Holly, you, you hit it big with me, girl. Oh, yes. Have you seen this head? It's just right. When you are on this fast, I declare and decree to you that strongholds will be broken. Woo! I decree and declare that fears and deep insecurities are going to break in Jesus' name. It's high time we quit walking around insecure in who we are and walk around not arrogant, but knowing, wait a minute, I'm a king's kid. So devil, you better back up because in the name of Jesus, I am the victor. I have overcome. I am the apple of his eye. You better look out because now I know who I am. And now that I know it, I am free. Woo! I decree and declare that during this fast, you are going to realize who you are in Christ Jesus. You're going to realize the authority you have. You're going to realize the power of your prayers. You're going to realize the power of your worship. You're going to realize who you are. I decree and declare that during this fast, Bridge of Hope is going to realize who we are and the influence we have in our community in Jesus' name. Woo! When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, there were things, vices, I just couldn't find a way to get over. Man, I just want to go back and get drunk so bad I couldn't stand it. I just want, oh, I just could hear it call my name. I just thought, "I, I can't do this, God. I can't do it. And I'd say, Lord, this is too much. I'll never get victory here. And God would say, Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not have dominion or rule over you because you're not under the law, you're under grace. And I learned something about grace. It ain't just the big cover-up. It is the power to live right. Woo! The grace upon grace that Jesus gave us is the power to be free. And God set me free from drunkenness. He set me free from getting drunk a lot. He set me free from gambling. He set me free from a host of things, smoking dope, you name it. I know some of you think, oh, the pastor, he's always had it together. Oh, no. (laughs) He still ain't got it all together. Glory to God. We just mean God knows me and I know me, but you don't know me, amen. I'm telling you right now, but I'll tell you what, I may not be all I'm supposed to be just yet, but I sure ain't what I used to be. And I've got freedom in Christ Jesus. Hey, I'm I'm proud to tell you, look, I drank a lot from 12 to 20, but I'm proud to tell you as a 48-year-old man, I've never legally drunk. All my drinking was illegal. Oh, man. (laughs) Mama, don't think less. It's your prayers. She watches every service. You know, here's what I found. If I can say no to food, I can say no to sin. Let me say it again. If I can say no to food, I can say no to sin. 
What would your life be like to be totally free? I'm talking about your mental makeup. How you think even. What would your home be like if you were totally free? How would it affect your marriage? How would it affect your children? We're, we're all up in the driveway now, aren't we? What would your life be like to be totally free from lust? What would it be like to finally be free from greed or pride? What would it be like to finally be totally, completely free from lying and gossip? Instead of running others down, now you just pray for them. But what would your life be like? Seriously, if, if you went on this fast in prayer and God said, I will break every bond, you will be totally free. That leads me to point number two, and that is this. Fasting also brings solutions. The Ezra fast brings solutions to your problems. Look at, it. Look at Isaiah 58, 11. Watch this. The Lord will continually guide you. That's solutions. He'll satisfy your desire in scorched places. He'll give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Fasting will undo your biggest problems so you can hear answers from God. It's like a spiritual Q-tip cleaning. It gets the earwax out spiritually, and it allows you to hear clearly the voice of Almighty God. Ezra 8.21 says this, the Ezra fast. Then I proclaimed to fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Ezra had all kinds of problems. He is leading a whole troop of people from basically Iraq, Iran area to Jerusalem. A couple of months journey, he, has got, he, is, he is in charge of managing the king's money He's got all these people to deal with and their safety. Back then, they had robbers on the side of the road. They'd kill the people. They'd beat them up bad like the Good Samaritan. They'd take the money. He had all this stuff weighing on Ezra. Ezra was the one carrying this, and he was desperate. And he said, God, we've got all these people. We've got all this finance, and we've got all this stuff, and we've got to get way over there in a couple months' time. We desperately need you to guide us. How many of you need God to guide your life? How many of you are in a desperate, you've got a desperate situation, you need answers? Then it's time to fast and pray. When you are faced with great challenges and hard times, you don't get depressed. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. You fast and pray, and God will give you answers. The blinders will be lifted, and you'll see, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Fasting will produce solutions to your dilemmas. Are you in trouble? Is your home in trouble? Is one of your children in trouble? Are your finances in a crisis? Do you have a horrible doctor's diagnosis? The Ezra fast is not an attempt to escape the problem. The Ezra fast is an attempt to enlist the help of the Holy Spirit to tackle the problem. God said he would feed the birds of the air, but he don't put worms in the nest. They got to get out of the nest and go find the food. Listen, when you fast and pray, God will give you the answer, but you got to leave the nest and go find and do what God says do and find where he says find. 
You can't wait for God just to rain it down. You've got to go where he says go. And if he don't say nothing, he'll rain worms down in your nest. But if he says, hey, the worms are over there, you better get up and go over there. You're going hungry. Somebody say amen. That's what I'm saying. We've got to fast and pray and hear from God. He'll give us the solution. Then we just have to apply it and do it. That is why Ezra prayed to God. That is why he led the people to fast and pray because he desperately needed answers. Is anybody else in here besides me just need some answers? He wanted God to show him the right path to take, so he fasted for God to show him what to do, and God will do that for us. Listen, hear me. If you're nothing else in this message, anytime you are faced with a major decision, hear me. Anytime you are faced with a major decision, fast and pray, and answers will come in areas of your life that have been hidden. Never make a major decision without fasting and praying. Look what Isaiah 58 and 8 says. Then your light will break out like the dawn. That's answers. That light of the answers, man, it'll break like the dawn. And watch this. Your recovery will speedily spring forth. There's healing. And your righteousness will go before you. There's God breaking the bondage of sin. Do you see when we fast and pray, boy, God will do all kinds of stuff. Paul was traveling down the wrong road, going the wrong way, the wrong direction. Everything was wrong. And God got a hold of him. And when God got a hold of him, watch this. Paul went on a three-day fast. And watch this. God gave him divine direction. Watch this. You've got to hear this. Which affected the rest of his life. Listen. The course of Paul's life was changed and altered forever over a three-day fast. The guy who wanted to kill Christians had an encounter with Jesus, went on a three-day fast, got his sight back, he was blind, and he wrote 13, most theologians believe, 14 of the 27 New Testament books. The dude wrote half the New Testament. He is the one that founded all the Gentile churches. If you're like me and you're a Gentile, you need to thank God for Paul and his encounter with Jesus and his three-day fast because it altered everything. Somebody say amen. God knows when you need to make a major decision, and just like Paul, if you'll do it, God will alter and change the direction of your life for the better. You should target those decisions with fasting and praying. Maybe you don't know what to do. Maybe you're thinking, should I do this? Should I marry this person? Listen, if you think about marriage, you definitely need to fast and pray. Should I make this investment? Should I take this job? Should I leave this job? Should I stay? What should I do? God will divinely and supernaturally lead you if you fast and pray. I've got a question. What would your life feel like if you always had answers for every situation you ever faced? What Seriously, what, what would it be like if every time you faced the T in the road, you knew exactly which path to take, and it was always the right one? Do you know God wants to do that for us? You never have to misfire on a decision again the rest of your life. Wow. So at the start of the message, you were saying, Pastor, why do you got to always preach on fasting? <laughs> About now you're going, man, I'm glad he preached on fasting. Praise God. <laughs> a missionary couple brought some African pastors over to the United States for a 
convention. It was a small town, and they wanted to go shop, see the sights that never been to America. Well, he knew the potential for them to get lost or, you know, forget their way or not know what to do was prevalent. So he said, here's my number. If you get lost, lose your way, can't find something, just give me a call. Oh, within an hour, one pastor, he called. I'm lost. He said, okay, put the phone down. This is back in the day of pay phones. <laughs> if you were 30 and under, you used to have to take your car and park it and walk to a phone on the side of a wall. And you would put, at one time, a dime, but the last was a quarter. And you'd put a quarter in, you'd dial the number, and it was corded so you couldn't take it off. And you would sit on the side of a Walgreens or a building or something, and you would talk on the phone. How many of you over 30 know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's called a payphone. And he said, put the phone down, go to the nearest street corner, give me the names of the two streets, come back and tell me, and I'll tell you where to go. The African pastor came back. He said, well, I'm at the corner of walk and don't walk. <laughs> that is not the kind of direction we want from God. Amen. Fasting and praying, we give you clear directions. Amen. And point number three, fasting brings revival. Oh, this is the one that touches my heart more. This is a Samuel fast. The Samuel fast will empower you for evangelism and revival. Look, 1 Samuel 7, 6. Check this out. They gathered to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and what? Fasted on that day and said, There we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the sons of Israel at Mizpah. I want to tell you, God wants to bring revival to our life. God wants to bring revival to our church. God wants to bring revival to our lost children. God wants to bring revival to our nation. I'm praying for 100 million souls saved in the United States of America. I'm praying for a revival like we've never seen. You want to see Congress change? Let 100 million people get saved in this country. It'll all change. I want to tell you something. That's what we need. It ain't the latest politician or the latest this or that. We need God in America again. We need God in our church. We need God in our city. We need God in our homes. We need God in our streets. And we need God in our children. Somebody shout amen. amen. What was the setting of this fast? Here was the setting. They said, Samuel, you're the judge. You're the Mac Daddy in charge. He said, okay, well, we need national revival. The Ark of the Covenant was stolen, which represented the presence of God. And he said, the first thing we're going to do, if I'm in charge, here's what we're going to do, boys. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to fast and pray. We're going to seek God, and we're going to get God back in Israel. We're going to get the presence of God back in our lives, because we ain't going nowhere until we get God back in our midst. I want to tell you that's why we fast and pray as an individual and as a church body. We are saying, God, we need your presence. Many people come to church week after week and they love God. I know they do. But there's no intimacy in, in, with his presence. Maybe you can't even remember the last time you had revival in your soul. Or the last time your heart was broken with the things that breaks God's heart. Or maybe you can't even remember the last time you prayed in tongues. When you pray for God's presence to come upon you, you get an atmospheric revival that brings revival to you and everyone around you. You fast and you pray. How good would it feel to feel the fire of God burning in your heart again? Whew. 
to feel the heat of revival burning down in your soul. Listen, if you're going to lead a small group, you need to fast and pray that God's presence fill your meeting place every single time. That the presence of God overwhelm everyone walking in those doors. You need to fast and pray that God saves souls, that he heal people, that he baptize those in the Holy Ghost. Listen, God can move mightily in your small group for God to deliver people. And I want to point out something. In 1 Samuel 7, 5, I'm almost done. When, when they fasted and prayed, the Philistines, the enemy noticed that. And the enemy thought, oh, they're fasting and praying. I don't like this. So they put on an attack. Listen to me. Fasting attracts demonic powers. When you fast and pray, it will attract the power of God, but the enemy's going to come against you. And he's going to do all kinds of... He's going to tell you, you might as well just quit. (laughs) I mean, this ain't working. You're starving. Pastor Dallas is trying to kill you. (laughs) You're going to die. That's what he'll tell you. He'll tell you, you may as well give up. It's no use. Fasting won't make any difference. That's what it'll tell you. About, about Thursday, if it takes that long, you're going to think, why am I doing this again? <laughs> That's when you need to fast all the more. He's telling on himself. The reason he's trying to get you to quit is because he knows the power behind it. It's one of our, I love what Deanna said. It's one of our greatest weapons we have. Listen to me. I want to see revival. We used to have revivals in Georgia that we'd have week-long revivals. We'd start Sunday morning, we'd finish Friday night, we'd have them all week long. We had the place full of people. I'm talking about the fire of God in that place. I can remember one of my young staff members coming to me and say, Pastor, I made just tears in his face. He said, you've got to see this. By this point in the sermon, the service, there were people laid out in the spirit. They were just, it was, it was, it was really, it was organized chaos. The whole stage about this size was just filled with children. And he came over to me and he said, look right there. And it was my daughter Haley. At the time she was seven, eight, or nine. She was completely out in the spirit. And she was, the best way I can describe it, she was, she was uh, project, not projectile vomit, it was projectile tongues. She was laying completely out in the spirit. And it wasn't just her, it was several kids. And several of them kids are serving God. Well, you see where Haley is now. I'm telling you, we see the children. Amen. They were getting baptized with fire. They were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. I seen my son get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Turn around, lay hands on another kid, and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's why my son ain't here today. Because the devil's fighting hard. But I got news for you. During this fasting prayer, he's going to get his hands off my son in Jesus' name. I want to see that kind of revival. I want to see the things that I have seen and experienced before. I've watched legs grow out evenly in revival service. I have seen devils get cast out of people before. I have cast out. I have seen all kinds of stuff. I have seen the real true and experienced the real true power of God. And I want to see it again. I'm hungry to see it again. In fact, in two weeks, Pastor Meg is bringing the children in. So I need all of y'all to get ready and fast and 
and pray the next two weeks. We're going to lay hands on each other and we're going to lay hands on every child. Don't tell me a child can't talk in tongues. I've seen all three of mine do it. I want to tell you something. God will baptize every one of them with the Holy Ghost. Wouldn't it be something if revival broke out in them and they start going back to their schools and they start bringing revival and they start leading Bible clubs and principals are like, hey, I don't know what's going on here, but something's got to change because they're just they're, they're just turning the school upside down. I want to see other children get out of this nonsense of sex changes and all this other garbage. Let me tell you something. We need our kids filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. My God, we need revival. We need revival to see God rescue marriages. We need revival in our schools again. These kids are being taught trash. They need the real spirit of God. Is anybody hearing me? You will never, you will never, never experience the presence of God like you will on an extended fast. I'm telling you, you'll just say good morning, Lord, and be woof. There's, there's no when, let me get 30 minutes into this and maybe God will show, uh-uh. You say, good morning. I mean, sometimes I don't even get hardly good. Good. Woof. I'm already crying. I think, Lord, I didn't even get morning out. Oh, God, you're so good. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I've seen men... Hardcore, rough, tough, truck driving men that didn't want nothing to do with God. Their wives told me they'd cuss me out all the way home on a Sunday. Hated my guts. I've watched them get out of the chair, praise and worship, and come down, tears in their face, streaming down, their eyes about this big. And I come down, I say, Brother, what can I help you pray about? I'm a rotten sinner and I need Jesus. Man, don't tell me the presence of God won't do it. That's why we're praying in that little prayer. You say, what are all they doing in that classroom? We're praying. And I'm praying that spirit of prayer get on you. I want the whole church to start praying every single Sunday. I want us to pray until we see the presence of God. Get a hold of our children, our grandchildren, somebody's child, somebody's grandchild. I want to see the presence of God bringing people off the streets. I got a pastor friend said God was jogging down the road. There's so much prayer going on. He jogging down the road midweek, started weeping, ran into the church in the middle of the week during office hours and said, I don't know why I'm here but something ain't right with me and he got saved right there in the office I'm telling you I'm believing God big again I'm believing God for revival I'm believing God not just for a Rehoboth but when we get there revival break out and change the community I want to tell you it's time to fast and pray (sighs) pastor you're a madman today yes I am I want to see it again. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I want it more. Anybody that's willing, anybody that says, Amen, Pastor. Anybody who in here in your heart, anything touch your life, and you say, God, Pastor, I want revival. Pastor, I want revival in my family. Pastor, I want to hear God's voice. God, uh, Pastor, I, I want to I want to feel the fire of God burn in me again. 
I want to feel the flames stoked high. I want, to, I want freedom. If any of that, I pray it's all of us. Would you just come down here as a living sacrifice? 